Hello and welcome to another edition of Father and Joe, a podcast where we're trying to get everyone to come closer to God and in our own way here. So God, or God has called you God, her father. <laughs> so Father, um, <laughs> as we ended last podcast, we were having this um, discussions about what some individual podcast could be, and it was all on the basis of going to church and one of the key things that you get at the mass that you don't get out in the woods to use your example from last uh, podcast is the Eucharist and with that being said I think that that's probably a really good point to start as we continue this conversation deep in faith that the Eucharist is a big part of that faith and uh, I figure this would be a nice natural spot to start that conversation yeah, you you were asking me before about why why go to church and why why can't you do this on your own? And, um, again, I mean there there's so many different ways to approach that that question, but when we see what God asks us to do, so again in in looking at our Christian revelation, everything everything is driven by the love of God, and and that's such an important principle. We can't we need to always start at that and then and then move outward from that. Christianity is the one religion that says God is love. Not just that God is loving, that he's kind, that he's merciful, but that God is love. He is in himself a communion of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and there's a mutual, perfect mutual self-giving love that's happening. Uh, and out of love for us, he created us with, with freedom, with the capacity to respond to his love, to be able to love in our own right. Love requires freedom, and we have free will, which also makes it possible for us to sin and to reject love, but it makes it possible for us to love. And so he made us with that capacity to uh, enable us to receive his love, first of all, and to be able to participate in his love by loving him and loving our brothers and sisters. So... The way, one way that we love God is by worshiping Him. That's what we call, uh, or the word adoration. That sounds a little closer to uh, words that we use for love. We adore Him mm-hmm. yeah, because He is God, because of who He is. And how do we do that? Well, how do we, uh, how do we adore someone who is sort of beyond sight and beyond senses? I mean, we need to find some way to express this. Well, we, we speak to him in our hearts. We speak loving words to him in our hearts. But isn't there a way that we could do this together as as a community of people? And I think we feel the, the benefit of that. We like to do things together as human beings. We, we like to, you know, you can watch every football game on television, but there's something about being at the stadium with all of the other fans. And even if you watch it on television, there's something about having people over and having a party. We like to do things together mm-hmm. uh, when, we're, when we're expressing love. And so what is the way that we come together? Well, now we could all come together and all say our own words to him. And there are ways, times to do that. But isn't there a way that we could even express our worship together? And so coming together to do that is something that... Uh, fulfills our our desire to love and to adore God, to worship Him. Doing that together with our brothers and sisters has an effect on the whole Christian community, so that's already something wonderful. Now, what way would we do that? Well, 
one of the amazing things that God did for us in expressing his love was he became one of us. That was a profound act of humility for him to take on our human flesh, to take on our human weakness, to really enter into our human condition in this fallen world. But he did that out of his desire to be close to us. And in revealing his love for us, we, uh, we rejected him, we closed our hearts to him. Ultimately, we even crucified him. Now, he offered that as an act of love for us. He demonstrates on the cross how great his love is for us. No greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. And so God reveals to us, he doesn't just love us until it hurts. He loves us until it hurts and continues to love us. He doesn't just love us for a little bit until we reject him. He loves us all the way to the end. And so the ultimate expression of the love of God for us is seen on the cross, where we see the self-sacrificing way, the absolute and total way, the self-emptying way that he loves us. More, Who could express more love than that? How would we ever express more love than that, than what God has done for us on the cross? And so what he also did, because, you know, I don't know about yourself, Joe, but I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. That happened 2,000 years ago. But he gave us this way because everything that God does also has an, inf- an eternal quality. It's outside of time because God is outside of time. So in a mysterious way, you could use the word mystical, in a mystical way, we can be at the greatest expression, the greatest moment of God's love. And that's what God has left us in the Eucharist. That's how much he loves us. He, wants to, he wanted to express that love. And he wanted every one of us to be able to experience that again and again, to be able to draw close to that. Because the fact is, in our limited humanity, in our limited faith, we, we draw close to the great love of God and we receive a tiny drop of it. We receive a tiny trickle of that love. And we need so much more than that. So we need a lot of repeated exposure in order to get all that he wants to give us. And so God gave us this beautiful gift of the Eucharist, which Jesus created for us at the Last Supper when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. Do this in memory of me. And so he instructed and empowered the apostles to perpetuate this Eucharistic sacrifice, this greatest expression of God's love, so that we could all enter into it, so that we could all experience it, in fact, again and again, because we need it that much. And so, what do we, you know, the the Eucharist is, okay, well, if we have to come together, or if we want to come together, and we want to adore God and express our love for Him, we want to do that with the kind of same words, to do that in unison with each other, what better way could we do that than to come before his greatest revelation of love in the Eucharist and then even receive personally and that's where communal worship also has this personal dimension to it they're not they're not opposed to each other but they actually support each other the communal leads to the personal and the personal leads to the communal but we can receive the fruits of this love which is the very body and blood of Jesus his whole person the whole Christ And that's what he gives us in in Holy Communion. So the Eucharist is an incredible gift that we too easily take for granted and that God, because he reverences our freedom, allows us to take for granted. 
But oh, how wonderful it is when we discover what a tremendous gift is there. And we see that in the conversion of so many people and in the lives of so many saints when they really got it, what a gift the Eucharist is. It's life-changing. You can just hear, hear the passion in your voice there. Um, and that's um, that, that actually spawns a question from, from all of that. And this might be a, a trivial aside, but something that I've always wondered, again, using kind of the realism hat that I tend to wear a lot, that the death on the cross is the pinnacle of the outpouring of love. Uh, from, from just understanding what, what you just said there. And one of the questions I've always had, and maybe it's just because I, I just must not understand the core meaning behind it, but in all four of the Gospels, in every um, Stations of the Cross, and obviously in the Masses leading up to Easter, um, they always highlight what he says on the cross. And one of the questions that I have is, as it's an outpouring of love from the Son to the Father, one of the, he's, he, one of the last things he says is, why have you forsaken me? Now, to me, that seems, and again, this is going to be me misunderstanding it, me getting something wrong, that he feels that, that him being Jesus feels that something went wrong and that God's no longer God the Father is no longer sending down the um, the love so what I wanted to do to ask you that was basically ask upon that point about how uh, well you're you're delving into some great details Joe and uh, these are the kinds of things so I want to really reaffirm that kind of question. When you're asking questions like that, you're really sinking your teeth into the mystery. And so that's the kind of excitement also that the, that the Eucharist, that the scriptures, that the Christian mysteries open up for us is there's, there's that kind of infinite richness. There's, it's not, there aren't simple answers that we can say, oh, you know, check, got that, you know, two plus two is four, yep, you know, three times two is six. And, um, but there are rich really rich mysteries. When I, when I say mystery, uh, it has that quality, a, a truth that doesn't simply reveal the whole of itself. We can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and keep discovering more elements of that. So those, one of the reasons, like you said, that we reflect on those last words of Christ, the seven last words, and that theologians and preachers and popes and, and, and mystics have been reflecting on those words for 2,000 years and they never get bored, and we never sort of express the fullness of what's happening there. We, ha we have to realize that in the Christian mystery. I mean, this is, this is something that has the capacity to engage the brightest minds that have ever lived. It has the capacity to take in the whole of our life. And so the idea that we can sort of graduate from Mass or graduate from the Paschal mystery, the, the death and resurrection of Christ, so that we can kind of graduate from the Scriptures, like, oh yeah, I got that finish that in third grade. I just want to express how, how crazy it is to even think in those terms, and then how wonderful it is to discover how much, how much richness, how much depth is there. So <clears throat> you can read a lot of different mystics and theologians and get different facets of an answer. They're not, they're not contradictory responses, but they show us how deep that, 
that mystery is that you're talking about, Joe, which is a, a very important one. What does Jesus mean when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, uh, he, he doesn't mean, well, let's see. Uh, so let me express some positive things. And uh, a very simple response, which is uh, also a very good one, is that those are the first words of Psalm 22. And the the uh, the author of, of Scripture, uh, those are in the Mark's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel, may have been just summarizing. Well, he prayed the entirety of Psalm 22, but they just record the first sentence. We do that all the time. I say, you know, I, I prayed in Our Father yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't just pray Our Father. You know, I prayed Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I just summarized that by saying, prayed Our Father. So that's one one response and Psalm 22 although it starts on that very dark note ends on a note of hope that through all of it God I trust in you I entrust my life to you and I know that you will deliver me and you are the victor I don't remember the exact wording but but Psalm 22 ends on a very positive note so that's one I think that's a good starting point for understanding the words of Jesus but then I want to touch on something else that's very important. When we look at the cross, and I was expressing this as the greatest expression of God's love, that the cross shows us how he goes to the end. But something that we also come to discover is that Jesus didn't just suffer his own passion. He suffered our passion. And, and the prophets and evangelists say that he carried our wounds he bore the weight of our suffering and now this starts to blow our minds because we have a hard enough time bearing our own suffering and maybe if we have a very expansive heart through empathy we bear the suffering of a, a maybe a spouse or some children Jesus bore in his body all of the suffering from everyone throughout the entire world from the beginning of time to the end of time and this is where we realize, yes, this is God. Only God can do that. That's something that God does, but he does it in our human flesh. And so one of the dimensions of our human suffering is that feeling of radical abandonment, of radical aloneness. And maybe I, I dream that there's one person that would listen to this podcast who feels so alone and so un you know, not understood by anyone who says, no one can touch my suffering, no one gets this. That there's one person who could listen and say, oh, Jesus gets it. He is here with me in this suffering. He is here with me in this moment of darkness when I feel like my entire life has fallen apart and I don't know what direction to turn. Jesus penetrates that darkness and he doesn't just fix it and take it away. He sits in it with me so that I'm not actually ever alone. And even in Jesus descending into death, what is a more radically solitary experience than death? Nobody crosses over the threshold of death with us except for Jesus. He actually enters into our dying and our death. These are the kinds of insights that we get from Christianity and looking at the cross and that we live out in a particular way in the Eucharist. It's one of the reasons that the Eucharist should never be boring because it's so rich in the ways that we can tie it together with our own lives. But when we start to understand 
the way that he suffered, the way that he enters into our suffering, and just by touching our suffering, by experiencing it himself, entering into that himself, he, he brings a touch of hope, a touch of love, and he, he makes it a little bit divine. And that's a, that's a great source of hope and strength for us. So those are two responses to your question, your excellent question about those last words of Jesus. We wouldn't take those words as being a sign that Jesus himself had lost hope. He experiences hopelessness, and he's able to cry out from that hopelessness. And so in that way, he really enters into the experience of those who feel hopeless. But he continues his course and, and also continues giving himself to the end as an act of love, as an act of, of self-sacrificing love for us and out of love for the Father. And again, there's so many other things that we could we could keep exploring about those uh, few words in Scripture. And if I can highlight the point again, it's just a sign of how rich the Christian mystery is. Every word of Scripture has so much depth. Every word of every element of Christian faith has so much depth. And if we haven't really delved into that, then we haven't really given Christianity a try yet. I think that that goes back to something we talked about couple of podcasts ago about like when you said that right there that makes that, that, that makes total sense um, but when you go back to thinking about the explanation you got when you were nine it obviously didn't have that kind of depth to it and you know you're sitting around or at least I was for most of my life every time we go to the, go to um to the you know the Good Friday Mass that's part of it the um, you know, during all the, the stations, you know, I always took it, you know, just kind of, that's what he said, and that was all he said, but when, when, when you put it like that, it really kind of opens up the, the rest of the thought process there, so that we're not trying to, uh, to shortcut it, and hopefully, um, that, I guess that might end up being a secondary feature of this podcast, which I didn't really think of in the beginning, was that, we can get into some of these conversations that take you from the you were in Sunday school last time you took a religious thought process class was probably sometime right around your confirmation and then you haven't really thought about diving into it more and that um that it would that 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 there was a lot to, to, to what you just said there that totally just kind of changed my mind because I was coming from the original thought process and asking the question he seems like he's hopeless and he's not really all in anymore. Why do we keep emphasizing this? Just like as a general question, guys, hmm. if he's not on board, why do we say this all the time and let everyone know that? That's like inviting people to um, question the entire thing. And I'm, I guess now that have you told me this, I came from, from the wrong side of, of realizing that. So I, I, I thank you for that. There, that That's something that's going to sit for a long time with me here. So as we... Oops, sorry. Well, I just wanted to say, just to highlight this point, that uh, when we have those kinds of questions or doubts, it's so good for us to kind of stay inside of them, uh, not to force them to a resolution. Pope Benedict talked about this in his uh, last book, published since he was retired, but he, uh, he said, you know, there's no doubt that I haven't stayed in it and then it has a way of opening up to me. And then we can ask others also for further. 
so we had a chance to look at one particular question, and, and that is a benefit, I think, Joe, of uh, your questions, as we spoke about earlier, are going to be not so distant from the questions of a lot of people, maybe who have wandered away from the faith, maybe who are about to wander away from the faith, maybe who have just wandered back into the faith. And uh, So that's uh, one of the reasons that you're a, a great host for this, is to express some of those questions. But again, it's just one question. There are so many. But the, the fundamental thing is, Stay inside of it. Pray. We, we sometimes take a, set that step aside, but ask God. Ask God what this means. I don't understand this, Lord. Help me, help me to understand this. And it's amazing as we stay there, as we express that desire, we come into a place that maybe through somebody else, you know, through Father Boniface or whatever, but maybe also just in the inspiration in our hearts or we come across something in Scripture or, and, and things, the pieces fall into place. So just so important to, to pray through and to remain in those those spaces. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a very good answer, and, and I think that that on that note, we're we're going to have to uh, to, to to leave this for next time. So I'd like to thank you again, Father, for for giving your time here, not just to me, but to everyone who's out here listening, and and hopefully it's going to reach out to a, a lot of people and just the. I don't know about about you, but just hearing that, it just there's just something in the chest that makes it feel a little bit different, you know, a little bit, <laughs> a little, little bit fired up there. So, um, so I, I definitely want to want to thank you for that, and, and uh, thank you on behalf of everyone out there listening. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for putting it together. Thank you, and everyone have a great week, and we'll see you next time.